Mr. Hello. Pitt, how are Mr. you, sir? Mr. Sean, how are you, sir? I am doing as well as one can in these trying times. What happened? What's going on? Oh, do you not know about the coronavirus? What is that? Okay, let's take a step back. Have you <laughs> ever <laughs> been to Mexico? <laughs> you boys like Mexico? <laughs> <laughs> no, I... I, I I feel like I, like most people, have a lot of sort of uh, unfocused anxiety in this. Um, yeah. With, with yeah. families to worry about. And, and you and I both as freelancers. Oh, uh, I know. If you're anything like me, all of your jobs are gone and you have absolutely nothing left on the calendar for the foreseeable future. Yeah, that, uh, that really hurts. And they all came in at once, too. Oh, and yeah, it was of course. Just like, oh, this is canceled. This is canceled. This is canceled. It's like, oh, wonderful. You mean those three gigs I was really counting on? For my mortgage? Yeah. Thank God I got a paycheck that ran. It was late. And I've never been so happy to receive a late paycheck. I wanted to reach out to the person and be like, hey, thank you. <laughs> that came at a good you... time. <laughs> Wait, it almost. Did the person know the coronavirus was coming and that's why they held it? I think he was patient this zero. This is a Let's conspiracy. Well, I'm a conspiracy theorist. You know that. It was a man named Joe Biden who sent me this check. Is that the guy that invented the internet? I believe so. Okay, uh, I'm thinking of the right thing. Yeah, it was either the internet or Yahoo. It was one or the two. I don't remember. I'm sorry, Yoohoo. The chocolate Yoo-hoo. drink. Or Heinz Ketchup. <laughs> Or Heinz <laughs> That sounds so German. Heinz ketchup. Or was it right? Hunts? Uh, it's Heinz. It's Heinz. No, there's both. There's Heinz and there's Hunts. There's Hunts? Yeah, like on the hunt. hunt. I've never heard of that one. I don't think that one's as good. I'd rather be hunting for Heinz. There you go. Yeah, it all came full circle, did it not? Well, I think the reason I'd I'd like to move on past this, because uh, to to address it one final time, there's there's a lot of anxiety going on. And I think a lot of people are socially distancing themselves and entering a voluntary isolation as much as possible, which is the right move. But with that comes a need for entertainment. Yes. We want both of our listeners to to not have an interruption into their expectations for, for what this can be. Um, I do think that this will have an impact on our live show and whether or not that happens. Oh, uh, yeah, that's a bummer. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think just realistically at this point in the timeline, it's just not going to happen. Um, yeah. How many people can uh, do an anchor podcast? How many people can join in one session? I don't know if there's a limit, but we can find it. Perhaps we could do something like that for a live show. <laughs> and with that, the <laughs> live anchors a 50-person podcast. Yeah, that would be that awesome. Would be, that would be unlistenable. That would be, <laughs> that would be so bad. No, it's going to be scripted. We'll all talk in unison. Oh, perfect. Yeah, I'm, I'm a slow reader. 100%. <laughs> See, that's a good idea. Look at us, man. Uh, Got to make this- the best of a worst time. This also marks an historic occasion where you and I, for the first time, are not seated within mere feet of each other 
Yeah. I don't know what your face looks like right now. Uh, it looks like it always does. Awesome. Handsome. <laughs> Handsome. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dashing. I look exactly like a young Clive Owen. I've always said that. As usual. Yeah. You mean Clive Owen from the film As Usual. When he, he, he played that hot chick, uh, Rob Schneider. That sounds right to me. Yeah, that's a good one. Oh, it's good. Yeah, this I is the first time. We're not that. in the same room. This is... It's, are you pacing back and forth like I am? Uh, I'm standing at my standing desk. That, is, that sounds nice. It's I'm similar standing. to pacing. I'm sort of stepping back and forth on my luxurious standing mat that Jesse got me for <laughs> Christmas. I like the sound of that. I don't, I don't know if I've seen the standing mat. You've definitely, it's definitely been in the room while we're recording. I don't know that you've stood on it. And David, once you stand on the standing mat, you're not going to want to stand on anything else ever again. Well, it sounds like we're going to have to make wheels for your standing mat. Perhaps we could put the standing mat on the one wheel. Ooh. Yeah, I'm that's full of ideas. That's a million idea. Well, yeah, that's, that's uh, what they said when I came up with Hunt Heinz Ketchup. Uh, <laughs> that's joke of the podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm full of, baby. So as we discussed last of. episode, we had looked ahead, and this, this chapter is called Prisoners. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and and Jake think... Gyllenhaal does not appear to anyone who was waiting for that to happen. There's no Hugh Jackman. There's no Jake Gyllenhaal. Paul Dano does make a small appearance. It's though. quick. It's, it's very, very quick. quick. <laughs> he just shows up. He's about to drink a milkshake, but it's gone. It's gone. It just disappears. No one knows what happened to it. And the um... next title of this is called Milkshake. And uh, it features a wonderful drawing of um, of our boy, uh, the, the Hawkeye. Thank you. I couldn't think of his real name either, Daniel Day-Lewis. Did you say Hawkeye? I said, yeah, it's his character, I believe, from Last of the Mohicans. Oh, okay, I was like, you're thinking of Jeremy Renner, my friend. <laughs> God, Jeremy Renner. Woof. Another. Uh, that, was supposed, that was supposed to be a woof. Oh. I, I did. I did a whoo like like I'm like ooh like I'm. Do you, you know, find Do you find yourself projecting your voice more right now because you don't have a microphone right in front of your face? Yeah, I don't know where my microphone on my headphones is, so I I feel the need to yell. I'm like an old person on a cell phone for the first time. Not even the first time, just an old person in general on a cell phone. Yeah, I I, I feel like I'm talking into the void and i don't know who to address this is strange but let's give it a try you me want, you want to get started let's try it out let's see if we can get this in unison three two right. one two one chapter 14 chapter 14 prisoners prisoners very good i think and from my end we were way off but i assume that there's just a delay and you followed me as best you could we'll see yeah. how it how it sews together the- the, the problem is, is I hear three seconds into the past. So if there's a delay, there's even more of a delay. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. Just from your own mental processing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, um, so when we laugh, last left the boys, what, what was going on? Um, they had gotten that phone call. It was that super high, intense moment. They're all sitting back at, it's uh, Frank, Joe, and Chet. They're at the Hardy's house uh, in, in the aftermath of the explosion at Elkton. 
Um, they just didn't finish their sandwiches with Aunt Gertrude's. <laughs> Uh, or I'm sorry, they didn't have second pieces of deep dish apple pie, oh, which sounds yeah. amazing. So you know, it sounds like the greatest thing in the world. And I would also expect, like Gertrude, that if these kids aren't finishing that, something's wrong. Yeah, something uh, and boy, is up. And so yeah, then then there was a phone call, and they picked it up, but it was a wrong number in the most hearty <laughs> fake cliffhangers. <laughs> which brings us to, to to chapter fourteen, prisoners. And right at the top, I have to say this this is a quintessential Hardy Boys chapter in that it has, I think, all three bad things that a chapter, like three bad things for any book to have in a single chapter. Uh, and those are, to me, number one, that the subject of the uh, chapter, Prisoners, the title of the chapter, is a reference to only like the final paragraph of the chapter. Classic, yes, as we expected. Which I feel like cheapens the experience for the reader. Yeah. Because I know, I know it's coming. When the chapter is called Prisoners, I know they're going to become prisoners at some point. Why not yes. call it anything else? And then when they do get taken prisoners, it's like, whoa! Whoa, I can't believe they were taken prisoners and the chapter wasn't called Prisoners. The chapter was called, called Not the, Prisoners. They're not prisoners, yeah. <laughs> But if that wouldn't have spoiled it, the other quintessential bad thing is they did it again where there's an illustration that hits you before uh, the paragraph yeah. to which that illustration uh, relates. And so you're just hanging out with them in a field and then all of a sudden you see that they're in a garage with a truck saying we're prisoners. Yeah. And they've yet to even find that garage. Uh, so, yeah, it's they're getting ready to go inside it. So you're like, oh, I know exactly what's going to come on the next page. And it's not even the next page. It's the page after. No, it is the next page. But it, it's a it's a hefty read still before you get to that that scene. Yeah, it's annoying. And and therein lies my third issue is that this is another one of those chapters where so much high octane action being relayed to them via a story told to them in their study by their father. Yes. Like this whole explosion, Fenton Hardy was there. He was running through the hallways, chasing the saboteurs. (laughs) But instead of the author putting us in that room, he instead put us in the, uh, Mr. Hardy's private study and over some lemonade, uh, over some fruit. Yeah. (laughs) Like a fruity drink. drink. (laughs) No. Well, now, yeah, now that we've is... hit the bullets, let's get into it. Let's dive in. Um, so they answer the, the he hangs up the call. Joe's disappointed, um, and so he calls uh, headquarters. He calls the police headquarters uh, to report the truck's license number. The line's busy. Whoa! So he tries several more times, and then he's like, "You know what? I can't stand it. I think to think Dad is perhaps lying out there hurt." Let's go back to Elkton and see if we can learn something. And Frank, eager for action, agrees. <laughs> you're eager to the front door. Your dad almost died or is dead, and you're eager for action. He's I like Schwarzenegger and collateral damage here. His, but you know, his family just got blown up in front of him, and now he's just like, you want to see collateral damage? 
Joe's it's like, hey, let's ride our bikes you. back to Elkton, but first let's build a big ramp. <laughs> I need I need this adrenaline, baby. <laughs> Extreme! They're like the dudes from Harold and Kumar. It's been too long, man. Oh, okay. That's yeah. one, that's one that I can't hit that, that I can't go with you on. It's okay. It's a great flick. So uh um, but just as they opened yeah. the door. What did they headlights see? Headlights of a car turning into the driveway. And this is when I was expecting it to be like the knowing police. that it's prisoners. Well, I was expecting like sabotage, like the whole thing of like oh. the wrong number. Then everything you thought here comes Ted signal. Blake with the Warriors and the crew drawn arrow man. Warriors, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, you yeah, want to tell like, the audience like thought, who it is? Well, I thought it was somebody who had like cut the uh, telephone line to the Hardy House and all this, <laughs> um, and then uh, it's Dad. Uh, Joe barely refrained from shouting so as not to awaken Mrs. Hardy and Aunt Gertrude. Yeah, I got to work Gertrude back into the story. The woman who has done nothing so far and serves no purpose. Uh, she has baked so much food and helped Iola feel uh, embarrassed about who she is. <laughs> yeah, all things Miss Hardy could have done. That's and true. And had a bigger, you know, pivotal part in this book uh so the detective sedan headed for the garage at the back of the house uh are we glad to see you dad frank exclaimed as he came into the house his father looked pale and disheveled there was a large purple bruise on his left temple he slumped wearily into a chair Ooh, i guess i'm lucky to be here mr hardy managed a rueful smile well, I owe you boys an explanation. And now is the time. Honestly, now? Yeah. Now you're, you're half past dead. You're Steve Seagal, baby. You're dehydrated. <laughs> yeah. You're covered in burn like... marks. Your temple's bleeding. You look like Tommy after David Spade hit him in the head with a board. Like, you don't Com- look good. Compared to the sense of urgency they normally have, like even when they could have freed Mr. Robinson in the first book and it's like, hey, we'll make the call after dinner. This seems like (laughs) a classic place to be like, yeah, you should actually nourish yourself. Yeah. Prior prior to this. Get yourself. For the first time ever, ask Joe to reach into his pocket, pull out some pocket pretzels. (laughs) He got them from a book. (laughs) They're a little bit stale, but it's okay. If you need to moisten them up, dip them in the blood protruding from your temple. Uh, so instead of the, Mr. Hardy telling him a story, he's like, I've got I've to, you know, I owe you an explanation. So then they just start asking leading questions. <laughs> Dad, you are working on the sabotage case for Elkton, aren't you? And then Frank says, and you were put in, and you were in the lab building during the explosions? You're well, both right. Yeah. You yeah. Can't just let him tell you. Let that. him say it. Yeah. They're always looking for that approval. They're trying way too hard. I'm They're glad like, that they were right, though. Because I wish they be were much... wrong, to be honest. Well, it could have been a much longer chapter if it's like, Dad, <laughs> you had bought stilts and you just didn't learn how to walk in them yet? No. <laughs> oh, oh, was it that? Like, no. God, Joe, shut up. What's the movie where uh, the dog comes up and he's just like, what's that, boy? They're making Aliens fun of the last... have kidnapped Wayne. 
Yeah, okay. Oh, yeah. I misunderstood. Wayne's outside. <laughs> Wayne's outside. That's it. Wayne's wrong. Nice. Game on. I'm there for you now. There we go. Uh, yeah, now you're firing. So you're both right, the detective replied. Of course. I know I can depend on all of you because Chet's there too. And he's only saying this really to, to you sort of, you know, check Chet. Yeah. <laughs> I know I can depend on all of you to keep the matter strictly confidential. This case is far from solved, Chet. Chet, looking you at and you. Your big mouth, Chet. <laughs> I know you're so hungry for some gossip, <laughs> Chet. <laughs> Oh, poor chat, little fat boy. You, there's a joke, fat and threatened, the uh, autobiography of Chet Morton. I've been wanting to do that as artwork for a long time for a chapter. The the tell all story. <laughs> yeah, being well, the a... third Hardy boy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that that's what needs to happen. There needs to be a Chet storyline where. These books are rewritten from the very first one to the last Chet. one of Chet's perspective. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Dude, I, I saw that they wrapped filming. Uh, oh, I told you, we talked about that already. They wrapped filming on the, uh, oh, yeah. the Hardy Boys movie. And we don't yet know if it's like the Tower of Treasure, if it's one of the existing stories, if it's a new story based off of the characters or what. But man, if it is just a a you know teleplay a screenplay based on one of these books it is gonna be a bad movie. it's gonna be a bad time yeah you're gonna have a bad time that's uh that's pizza and when you should french fry this is uh gonna be a very boring uh but it is gonna be somewhat of uh a food film at least like if you're into food docs this could be the next uh like chef's top table chef, or chef's table yeah. that's it yeah, we're going to get some great shot of chicken sandwiches. And and this is another, if they take this one, it's where the, the production meetings are going to be like, okay, wow, a train chase where a hand car comes off the rail? We do not have that kind of money to get to, oh, no, 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 no. That doesn't happen. He just tells the story about it. Oh. For, that, for that shot, we're just going to need three chairs. Actually, <laughs> we're just going to have the hardy sit on the floor. <laughs> But what about the potted plant in the windowsill? I don't know if we have the budget for that. We've always got budget for a potted plant. There's always a budget for the potted plant. Uh, so Mr. Hardy starts letting them know. Uh, he now revealed to the boys that for the past several hours, he had been closeted with Elkton's officials. Mm. And I, I Seven don't minutes exactly in know what the- yeah. <laughs> hey dad why is there so much makeup on your lips makeup is a lipstick man classic yeah seven minutes in heaven with fenton hardy that would be the real heaven uh so it means <laughs> to be uh in a private conference or study to shut someone away so oh okay look at that good good googling so he tells uh he tells the boys, uh, I was suspecting that the saboteurs who blew up Elkton had inside help, but the detective had screened the records of all employees, and he and the officials had found nothing suspicious. 
I don't mm. know how he made it into the gate without running into suspicious gate man and <laughs> and the gardener. Yeah, uh, but they're pretty suspicious. Yeah, uh, I'll submit a full report to the FBI tomorrow morning and continue a search on my own. And then here we get one of my least favorite paragraphs. You want it top of page one fifteen? You want me to take this bad boy? Yeah, it's so good. When Joe asked if the eight and one pattern referred to the saboteur's schedule, his father nodded. In the other plans, the sabotage took place eight weeks plus one day apart. So, a lot <laughs> here. There's a lot here. Yeah. Later, later we get to uh, where he says, you know, I, I want to go look for another bomb because uh, if these were professional saboteurs, there's usually more than one. And... If these were professional saboteurs, they wouldn't arbitrarily stick to an eight-week-plus-one-day schedule. (laughs) And what, does that make it fall on a weekend, depending on, like, how do you you keep an eight-in-one? And how many of these had happened that they can set their watch to it by that, like... Yeah. Like for there to have been eight weeks and you a got day, statistics. Yeah. You need to have like nine of these and then and then you can see that pattern. But if there's like three or four, you can't be like, well, it should happen eight and one. If you notice That's, it's yeah. eight weeks plus one day. You're not wrong. I want to know how much carnage these two have uh have caused. Uh in each of the plant of those plants the detective went on, the damage occurred right after closing time classic Uh, figuring the schedule would be exactly right for an attempt on elkton in a couple of days i started a systematic check of the various buildings i planned to check daily until the saboteurs had been caught here or elsewhere at my request one company security guard was assigned to assist me i felt the fewer people who knew what i was doing the better and that's how i ruined the saboteurs plan in detroit so Mm. two things here one I like that callback because in the beginning of the book, they were waiting for him to get back from Detroit. Oh, from Detroit. Yeah. Good callback. Turns out he was there thwarting some saboteurs plans. But then also, if you've thwarted the saboteurs plans once on their eight and one, does that mean that the, like, do they have one statistic is done? Well, like, how do they as saboteurs be like, okay, well, let's pretend it happened today and we'll start the eight and one now. Uh, yeah. That way we stay arbitrarily consistent. Like, clearly the detective's on to them. Why not go 10 weeks? Go six weeks? Like, what are you waiting for? I, I'm eager to learn later that, like, whatever explosive they used, like, had to mature or, like, the chemicals had to mix together and set for exactly eight weeks in a day. and th- Like, they were chemically that limited is... to this schedule. I like that. Mine is, my idea of it is these saboteurs are more like adrian monk they're just super ocd about the timeline in which they blow things up and that's not unique to adrian monk i feel like there's a lot of villains who have that like meticulous exactly i I feel like is often a plot device to their undoing Uh, exactly that'd be awesome yeah i just kind of want tony shalhoub to you know there is a good description of a guy who could be tony shalhoub Oh, we'll get to that down the line. Oh, yes. I know to what you're referring. Yeah. So uh, 
So nothing suspicious occurred here until today when I took up a post in the section of the building where the experimental work is being conducted. <laughs> what are you, Area 51? And what, what is experimental? It? It's a lab. Isn't it all experiments? No, yeah, that's very true. Like, if what you're a saying experiments thing. in an experiment place. Either that or like, this is where people do LSD and come to work. See, that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking there's something extremely weird going on in this room. After all the employees had left and the dim nightlights were on, I went toward the East Wing lab to, uh, to investigate. And I thought, if it's this experimental work, those nightlights are probably lava lamps. Oh, they got <laughs> lava black lamps light black posters lights. and lava lamps. Yeah, <laughs> now we're talking. That's my room. Just a bunch of panther posters. <laughs> Those are my favorite. They're like the the howling wolf shirt at Walmart. I gotta find. Of, I uh, had a, a black light panther poster in my bedroom growing up. Uh, and you betcha, I'm I had jealous. black lights for it. Did you have the uh, Walmart special with the Howling Moon T-shirt? No. You didn't have the wolf. Oh. No wolf. Wolves. Oh, I I strictly adhere to wolves in my slot machine themes, and that's it. That's right. Which yeah. NAB was I, canceled. I know. I thought about you. And, when I, I, saw and that. I won't be going to play any wolf themed slot machines. Do you get? Do they give you your money back? Uh, not yet. Will they? Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure it'll be handled. Okay. Otherwise, they're going to upset a hundred thousand people and never have a conference again. <laughs> yeah, it's very true. Uh, here's my favorite part in this chapter, and it's very subtle. Oh, I think I know exactly what you're talking about, but hit it. Uh, so it's, Hardy was saying, after all the employees had left and the dim night lights were on, I went towards the East Lab wing to investigate. Mr. Hardy paused, took a deep breath, and continued. Well, yeah, that's, that's your concussion right? setting. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's that, and I'm just like, this is it. This is where Hardy is just going to fade off into the deep end, and he is just going to start spitting things out that don't make sense. His words are just organized wrong. Everything's coming out wrong. But uh, <laughs> He took a deep breath was... and continued. Well, I had just mounted the unicorn, and we had all the cinnamon rolls we needed to make the trip to Vancouver. What are you talking about, Dad? <laughs> Biscuits and gravy, son. <laughs> Biscuits and gravy. The dog biscuits? <laughs> Are you trying to say biscuits is groovy? <laughs> and then there's a poster that just has the dog biscuits on a surfboard and it just says biscuits is groovy. The black light poster. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love this. The biscuits and groovy black light <laughs> Ridiculous! This there is our chapter. Art. I don't know whose turn it is. We should have some free time with the uh, next two months of social isolation to crank out some biscuits yeah. and groovy black <laughs> posters. <laughs> Keep your eyes peeled at uh, hardyandsonspodcast.com to learn more. It's going to be off the chain, off uh, the chain. Just as I reached to the yeah. lab, I happened to glance back into the hall. Things started to happen. Fast. What did you see, Dad? Joe asked, and all the boys leaned forward expectantly. And I think the fact that you have to write that proves that it's like the wrong way to tell this story. 
Like, if you're telling yes. a story about a story, you shouldn't have to be like, hey, and the boys were eager for dad to keep going. Are you, as a reader? Are you, <laughs> yeah. I, Are you leaning forward into the book? <laughs> I know I am. <laughs> yeah. Are your eyes crossed? Because the pages are so close to your face. You know how sometimes the, uh, the narrator does, like, the question of, like, would they be able to escape? Was this the oh, yeah. whatever? I feel like they should just start typing like, and this was super exciting for everyone. <laughs> everyone was like really, really into this story. I'm telling you guys, you had to be there. This was one of the, They're the best really stories excited. <laughs> That's not a bad idea. Like that is exactly who this author is. He's that you had to be there guy. Like, Maybe somewhere within this book, there is a good story, but everything he talks about, you just had to be oh, there. Man, you guys missed it. <laughs> Every chapter starts with Mr. Hardy says, oh, <laughs> what was it like? Oh, you should have seen it. Man, it was oh, awesome. Oh, oh. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> That's the name of the chapter. Ooh. Ooh, mama. <laughs> <laughs> boy oh boy boy I'll tell you what um, I'll tell you what so hurrying down I'm, I'm going to blaze through this part pretty quickly um, Johnny Blaze but we got to get these details here so hurrying down the hall from the west lab were two men in work clothes one carrying a leather bag I knew there weren't hmm. supposed to be any workmen in the building I stepped out to question them but the pair broke into a run and dashed past me down the stairs did you see what I I want to just clothesline them. Well, yeah. And what a lame, like, I stepped out to question them. Hey, yeah. what's up? Hey, <laughs> I've got questions. <laughs> Run. Look out. He's got a question. There's just a big question mark over his head. <laughs> <laughs> I bet he's got questions. Like what? Is- so, yeah, they bucket. They run past him. Uh. Did you see what did either, you see of, them what either of them look like? I Frank asked. I did catch a glimpse of one before they broke away. He had heavy features and thick eyebrows. But Martin Scorsese? Nice. Thank you. But just as I was about to take off after them, I smelled something burning in the East Lab and went to investigate. The first thing I saw was a long fuse sputtering uh, toward a box of dynamite uh, set against the wall. No, 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 no. I did not know if it was the kind of fuse that would burn internally or not. So I took my pen knife and cut it close to the dynamite. Interesting. Yeah. Also, what is this, a fragranced fuse? Yeah, how 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 intense like how are you smelling? Does this yeah? Or you smelled it burning? <laughs> Yo, let me get one of those fuses that throws off lavender and vanilla. <laughs> I want sandalwood. I want it to smell like honey oats. <laughs> yeah, like, give me the sandalwood. I want a little ocean have, to go with my explosion. Do you have nag shampa? <laughs> <laughs> I'm so proud of that joke. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm proud of you for that. Thank joke. you. Amazing. You're welcome. Thank you. So he cuts it and then he goes back to the West. So professional, here it is. Professional saboteurs don't usually rely on just one explosive. So I started for the West Wing to check the lab there. Mr. Hardy leaned back in his chair and rubbed the bruise on his temple and passed out. 
or sorry, <laughs> in a low voice he said, but I didn't make it. I was running toward the hall when there was a roar and a burst of flame. Now, here's what bothers me. Uh, just as, So if we go back the page before, uh, I went toward the east lab wing to investigate. Uh, hurrying down the hall from the west lab were two men in work clothes carrying the leather bags. So he, he goes and checks the west lab, and that's where he finds all this stuff. And then he goes to the yeah. east lab, but wasn't he just there? Yeah. Like, he's coming. <laughs> like, did you not notice the burning smell before? I uh, Yeah. Like, if they ran out already, and he was, I don't know. I feel like he was closer to the to the smell again as, as he's leaning back and rubbing the bruise on his temple i struggle to think this is the world's best detective maybe he's the world's yeah maybe he's the world's most he's just famous the most detective famous detective yeah so for bad. being an idiot <laughs> like mr magoo <laughs> that's a revelation right there <laughs> They never say My the world's goodness. greatest detective, just the most famous. Yeah, it's the most famous, the world's famous. Wow, dude, you just put this whole book into perspective. But I didn't make it Think. because I'm not a good detective. I was running toward the hall when there was a roar <laughs> and a burst of flame. And I imagine the roar was Biscuits. Jurassic Park. Oh, Biscuits making the comeback. I thought that's where we were the whole time with Biscuits and Groovy. Oh, I forgot. No, no. This was, but this I was wish the chocolate was. lab exploding. Oh, that's right. The dog was biscuits. Wasn't that it? that was why biscuits and groovy with a picture with a on the poster would be biscuits the chocolate lab. Oh, now I know what dog to draw. There you go. That's good. Uh, Little chocolate lab exploding. Baby. The explosion <laughs> lifted me off my feet and threw me against the wall. And though I was stunned. I managed to get back to the East Wing. I reached for the phone, then blacked out. Mm. I must have been unconscious for some time because when the fireman found me and helped me out of the building, the fire had been put out. So who is he trying to call? Like he reached for the phone, then blacked out? Like did he... That's a good question. The FBI? Or... The police? He reached for the phone. Call home. Jack. But because he blacked out, like, as he was blacking out, he's like, sorry, wrong number. Like, did he, did he call the boys? Did he talk to Joe in the end of the last chapter? Oh, my God. I mean, I don't think the timeline's quite right because they were there during the explosion and all that. But uh, that would be awesome, though. That would explain that dumb phone call. Yeah. I had blacked I out. I like how you're working here. So, uh, you're all right now? Asked Frank. Yes. He says, with a bruise and with blood running down his face, with, and with <laughs> low blood sugar, as we come to find out. Yeah. It was a temporary, Peachy. it was a temporary blackout from shock. What bothers me is that I had the saboteur's pattern figured out, only they must have become panicky and moved up their nefarious scheme two days. Yeah, or mm. it's not exactly eight weeks and one day. Yeah, maybe your uh, theory doesn't hold water there, bro. Hey, I have to do math. Do the math. Wow. 
I like that. Uh, so it's 57 days. That's eight weeks plus one day. Eight weeks yeah. is 56 days plus one is 57. So why not say 57 pattern instead of the eight and one pattern? I mean, the eight and one pattern just got such a cool ring to it. Yeah. You know, it just really it works. Doesn't. Moving on. <laughs> well, Joe looks grim. I wish we'd been there to help you capture those rats. All right. Yeah. Okay. Calm down. Uh, those rats. Was that something you said in that time? If you weren't a mobster, like, does a detective use the term rats? Unless, like, it's in the aspect of, like, oh, rats. Yeah, I would use it as, a, as a, an expletive like that. Like, yeah, I would, too. I just felt like this was out of character. I really do. I feel the pull to the, maybe because Martin Scorsese was on the mind, so they were talking about eyebrows, that I just, this put me into a Goodfellas movie all of a sudden. Or The Departed. I feel like, or The Departed, yeah. I was going to say, I feel Joe is Joe Pesci now. I'm with you. And that's who I think of anytime I read his dialogue. Well, Chet asked Mr. Hardy if he would like a fruit drink. <laughs> that's his first contribution to the evening. Yeah. After all this insanity that Mr. Hardy has been talking about, Fred, Chet has nothing to say other than, would you like a fruit drink? I'll make some lemonade, he offered. This is Chet still offering. Sounds good. Mr. Hardy smiled. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, what's going on Don't... here? I feel like it's just, it's Hardy just like shaking his head. Like, you boys have a really dumb friend. And I'll play along because I feel bad for him. But also, let's be honest, I can go for some fruity lemonade right now. That, that, that sounds refreshing. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with you that. You never say no to lemonade. No. Not one bit. As they sipped lemonade, Frank and Joe questioned their father about his theories. I'm still convinced, said Mr. Hardy, that one of, these, one of those men works in the plant. How else would he have known when the watchman makes his rounds and how to disconnect the electronic alarms? But I can't figure out the outside, how the outside accomplice got in. Those gates are carefully guarded by, by guarded. suspicious liars. <laughs> so at, at this point, Frank told his father about the green truck. We suspected at this, first it might have been connected with the counterfeiters. Now we have a hunch that the saboteurs, saboteurs may have used it. But I feel like this is a great place for Frank to be like, actually, Dad, the, the gatekeeper is a weird liar. Like, yeah. everything he's yeah. done has been shady and hiding Ken Blake from us and being or, a bad person. Yeah, or even Chet telling his story about like, oh, I applied there. And this guy said that he put my application in, but he never did. Like, there's something off about yeah. him. It's like he doesn't work but there. Chet's in lemonade. It's like he just... He's not thinking about that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's squeezing. He's priming his hands. He's had this pocket full he's of got lemons like... <laughs> for a week just waiting. <laughs> pocket full of lemons. If that's not this boy's uh, first album. Oh, I thought you were going to say the, the title of his autobiography. Pocket no, it's, it's my story. It's Chet and the Jalopy Boys <laughs> and his first album as Pocket Full the of Lemons. Jalopy Boys. <laughs> uh, 
Fenton Hardy seemed greatly encouraged by this possible lead. Joe gave him the license number. Mr. Hardy said he would report to Chief Collig at once. So he makes a phone call uh, and it says, you know, in the morning, Chief is going to check with the Motor Vehicle Bureau. Uh, and that also he would have some information about the print on the archer's finger guard. Finger guard. Finger guard. Uh, so the <laughs> next morning after breakfast, obviously that needs to be said. It has to. Frank to said it. he wanted to take another look at the warning notes. And here, Frank says, I think it matches the envelope that Ken Blake carried to, uh, who was it, Mr. Peters, Victor Peters? Mr. Peters, Victor Peters, yeah. yeah. What a weird thing to remember the handwriting of that you <laughs> yeah. never really handled yourself. <laughs> Yeah, it wasn't like you were looking at it. You caught a glimpse of it. Yes, yeah. Rain and Man. Exactly. Was he also? <laughs> was he also the one who remembered the eight and one pattern from the telephone it's call? Been Fifty-seven days. That might be the eight and one pattern. <laughs> yeah. What kind of memory do you have? Like you are a genius. <laughs> My God. So. uh so, okay, I'll allow this stretch. Where is it so taking us? So they want to go talk to Ken Blake. Uh, because if the person who addresses the envelopes, uh, and they also ask the obvious questions of, you know, who addresses the envelopes that Ken delivers? Uh, and if they're being sent to Mr. Peters in the Parker building, uh, why, if he doesn't have an office there, and who is Victor Peters? Ooh, I think I know who Victor Peters Sylvia. is. He's Pepe Sylvia. You're darn too. Peter Sylvia. Um, Ooh. So if the person who addresses the envelopes and the sender of the warnings are the same, it looks as though he's sending something to a confederate under pretense of having work done for Elkton. I wonder what that okay. something could be. Okay. Okay. Uh, so lastly here, at any rate, Joe added, this could be a link either to one either to the counterfeiters or to the saboteurs. Which one? And the boys decided to go out to the mill again in hopes of quizzing Ken Blake. Just then, their father came downstairs. Frank and Joe were glad to see that he looked rested and cheerful. Well, that now, was fast. Now, before we go on... Well, this is the next morning after breakfast. He got a chance to go... Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, with a belly that's full right. of lemonade. With a belly full of lemonade, so, yeah. <laughs> I want to take a break here. But the truth is, I don't know how. <laughs> I know. I don't either. Because my, my button here in the Anchor app says finish recording. And I guess technically I want to finish this recording. And I think I might be able to start another. So we're going to try this. That's, we'll see what happens. But we may end up with, <laughs> with two episodes posted in one <laughs> with day. Two episodes. A part one and a part two <laughs> or something. Uh, but with this, yeah. the boys tried very, very to- hard to take a break. <laughs> <laughs> what a wonderful ad that was. I agree. I think it's the same one as before. Is that what it was? I don't know. Depends on when you listen to it. I think they swap out the ad depending on... Uh, oh, they like do? You- so it's not always going to be the pirate one? No, I think... Like, if you go back and listen to an episode from our first season, it'll play the pirate ad. It plays oh, whatever the current awesome. ad is. That way, if we get a new ad for somebody who's paying us a lot more, it'll put that ad in. Yeah, okay. Sets the priorities. Smart stuff. Yeah. Yeah, look at that. Now we're now we're rocking and rolling. I'm gonna take my, my bets. I'm gonna guess it was the pirate ad. 
I'm going to throw that out there. Odds are, if you're listening to this, anytime uh, around coronavirus time, you're going to hear the pirate app. Yeah, I mean, that's a given. That's the place you want to be during the coronavirus is on a cruise ship or someplace like that. I hear it's the safest. You know, uh, you can fight over food. You can get stuck in international waters. It's terrific. Sounds miserable. Oh, that's what I meant. It's terrible. Yeah, I, I totally wouldn't want to be on that cruise ship. Mr. Hardy phoned Chief Colic. <laughs> <laughs> when the detective hung up, he told his sons that the license number belonged to stolen plates and and the fingerprint belonged to a confidence man nicknamed Go ahead, sir. The Arrow. <laughs> I just wrote, oh my god, of course. This is, this is akin to Red Jackley, Red Jackley and his nickname for his red hair. The bow and arrow guy is nicknamed The Arrow. <laughs> obviously. Well, it couldn't be him. The guy that wrote us a letter was the crudely drawn arrow. This must be like a brother or something. Maybe yeah, he's related. A distant cousin. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a normal arrow. The arrow? Now, could <laughs> you tell me, Sean, does the arrow have a backstory? Well, I'm glad you asked, David. <laughs> he's called this because for several years he worked at, an ex- at exclusive summer resorts, teaching archery to wealthy vacationers then fleecing as many of them as he could. After each swindle, the arrow disappeared. Unfortunately, (laughs) there's no picture of him on file. All the police have is a general description of him. Now, go ahead. I was going to say, like, wouldn't the swindler be a better nickname for this man? It's not like he was exclusive to arrows or the archer. Like, why the arrow? Yeah, I don't know. What, what I also wonder, I don't know how many exclusive summer resorts <laughs> yes. for wealthy vacationers there are at the turn of the century when this was written. But Let's, you know what we like, should how do? How do they not call each other and be like, hey, just want to let you know, you know how last summer the camp down the road had all their wealthy uh, campers swindled by their archer? And then <laughs> the year after that, it happened to the next one. Well, it just happened to us. So maybe vet your archer instructor or at least have a visual description of him just in case like yeah. see what what name he puts on the paperwork go back and say hey who did we hire what is that our... one guy didn't Where's they have 1099 like a... yeah did you check him out on yelp did you pay him legally because if so <laughs> you should be able to check with the irs yeah who is this man who well, is this they... They did have a description. They did. Uh, yeah. So Frank and Joe learned that the swindler had a pleasant <laughs> speaking voice, was of medium height, with dark hair and brown eyes. Could you tell us about him? Sure. Uh, it was just a woman who was swooning over the arrow. And she was like, y'all, he had this really nice speaking voice. Chiseled abs. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. After he'd pull back that bow and his forearm was covered in sweat. I can't do a good girl voice. Then but... he let his hair down. <laughs> so he has long hair. Four no. feet long. <laughs> and he's only three foot two. 
drags. It's very <laughs> yeah, <it's>, yeah. <laughs> I just got it. It's like a picture in my mind now of what if Brett had hair down to his toes and was pulling back a bow and arrow. That's what I hope he is for Halloween. Yeah, the arrow. <laughs> the, the arrow. Brett Hoy, this summer, or I should say this October. This October, see Brett Hoy as the arrow. <laughs> and we get sued by the CW because they're like, yo, arrow's our thing. <laughs> they come after us hard. Yeah. I hear you guys been talking about arrows. How, you've listened to the podcast? No. Brett no. told us. We're not using your material for our awesome CW shows. Not much to go on, Joe remarked glumly. No, but if he is working for Elkton, he must be pretty shrewd to have passed their screening. Mm. And then here we get why he, not as not only is he the most famous, but also the best detective <laughs> in the world. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, we have Mr. Hardy agreed and found Elkton. Requestioning the personal department to check if anybody answering the arrow's description was employed there. The brothers then informed their Wait, father. Your, your plan as a detective is to request that the personnel department check if anyone is medium height with dark <laughs> hair and brown eyes. Well, it's the soothing voice. It's the oh, soothing voice. The pleasant sounding voice. Because everyone that works at Elkton just smokes like 16 packs a day. And they all sound like Aunt Krabby. Just, <laughs> and the one guy hey, comes in. Hey, how are you, well, hello. Yeah, I'm a swindler. Does well, anyone want to shoot some sounding archery? <laughs> yeah. You know, he may have given you a nickname, the archer. Oh, yeah, we have him right here. <laughs> He's just like the kid in school when you say his name out loud, like on the roll call. He's like, please, please. My name the is arrow. the archer. <laughs> oh yeah, the arrow. I just wanted to be the archer. Just it, it rolls better. The arrow doesn't work for me. Or to be like, we're looking for a suspect um, who has a pleasant sounding voice, medium height, dark hair, brown eyes, and the personnel department would be like, you know, the only person I could think of, and it wouldn't be him because he's the nicest guy. We have a guy we all call him the arrow. <laughs> um, he's got a very pleasant voice, very very nice. He's a straight shooter. We got a real straight shooter. <laughs> uh, uh, his name's Mark. Mark yeah, hey, I'm Mark's man. Yeah, that's good. That's rich. So, so yes, that's his plan. Call up Elkton and give this shoddy description. Yeah. So, the the boys decide they're going to go question Ken Blake back at Elkton. Dad can't come with them. Um, they're going to find out about the envelope and the handwriting and stuff. Uh, so, they go there. And the gatehouse guard had unexpected news. Guard. Ken Blake isn't working here anymore, Mr. Uh -oh. Markle said. We had to discharge him. Whoa. Why? Okay. Why, asked Joe in surprise. Why? The, the guard, guard replied that the most uh, of the necessary jobs had been done around the mill grounds. Mr. Docker... My coworker and I felt if we could handle every felt we could handle everything from now on. He explained. So I they see. didn't have to discharge him. No, they chose to because they're gonna do his work. Yeah, there's a different like. We sorry, we had to let him go. Why would happen? 
well, we just decided we could do it. He's dead. <laughs> you know, that's not, we had to that's let not him out of go. the realm of possibility here. <laughs> he was in the building when it blew up. Uh, so can you tell us where, uh, where Ken is staying? And Marco said he was not sure, but he thought Ken might have been boarding in an old farmhouse about a mile up the highway. Okay. When the brothers reached the highway, they stopped. Which way do we go? Mr. Markle didn't tell us. Well, how did you not ask that? Yeah, as, I know. As detectives, you maybe should have, like, hey, he lives about a mile Drawn out here. a map? Okay, see ya. Wait, Pulled dude. out your knife pen and just be like, could you stab the directions into my arm? Just etch them in. Just <laughs> etch them in. Take, this Chet, take your shirt off. <laughs> just etch it into his back flab. <laughs> Wait, no guys I'm I gotta get lemon juice in the wounds <laughs> yeah they, they pull out the knife and Chet immediately knows what it's for and just see him start squeezing some lemons just soften them up <laughs> it's like alright boys let's do it come on so instead of going back to find out let's ask that gas station across the way Frank suggested someone there may know an old farmhouse, the attendant repeated <laughs> in answer to Frank's query. There's one about a mile from here going toward Bayport. That might be the place your friend is staying. What does he look like? Frank described Ken carefully. The attendant nodded. Yep, I've seen him ride by here on his bike. A couple of times when I was going past the farm, I noticed him turn into the dirt road to it. What a... What a weird what, thing yeah. to have seen several times. Yeah, are you watching this boy? Yeah, like oh, like how often do you do you ride past the uh, or how how often are you going past the farm that you would coincidentally run into Ken Blake several times? Yeah. <laughs> Thanks a lot. I don't know. I feel like this dude used to be an ice cream man. Want some ice cream, Doc? <laughs> hey, Doc. So last last dream. They go there, uh, they head up the dusty lane, and there is just a dilapidated house. Ramshackle, weather beaten, high weeds in front of it. This is like Pollock Place before uh Red and Klein turned it around. Yeah. I mean this place just seems deserted. Yeah. Joe muttered. Joe muttered. <laughs> Odd that Ken would be boarding in such a rundown house. I love this description. Frank and Joe walked onto the creaky porch and knocked at the sagging doors. What does that look like in your mind? Sagging doors. Uh, That they're made out of like a stiff foam. (laughs) But not so stiff that at this height and width, they don't, they don't sag a little bit. Mine, mine is like a Salvador Dali painting. Like the melting clocks. Okay. That's what I imagine these doors look like, where the top of them are just kind of like melted, folded over each other. And it's just like, whoa, what a weird door. So they knocked. And uh, they knocked again and called. Still no response. And as they're knocking on this gelatin door, I imagine that it's not like <laughs> a knocking sound, but like a boom, 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 boom. Some peculiar boarding house. Joe said, I wouldn't want a room here. (laughs) This must be the wrong place. Look, it's all locked up and there's hardly any furniture. I'll bet nobody lives in this house, Joe burst out. 
weird time to be bursting, Joe. Yeah. Hey, it's just you and me here, man. Relax. <laughs> yeah, calm down, dude. You're going to so, burst the bubble door. So here we turn the page, and this is when we see the boys locked in a small garage with a car, with a truck. And the, the caption of that uh, illustration says, we're prisoners, Frank exclaimed. <laughs> so... And I'm going to be honest, I could see the, the vehicle in there, and my mind's already telling me, even though it's a black and white picture, that that vehicle is green. Oh, you know it, baby. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But the attendant so, said that he had seen Ken riding in here. Why? Well, let's why? have a look, Joe urged. So they start walking around, and then they look in some kitchen windows. And I imagine that when Frank looks in these kitchen windows... He is leaning at that 45 degree angle <laughs> to which he is accustomed for kitchen peeping. Uh, somebody is he's, staying here. He's standing on his brother's shoulders doing that lean still. <laughs> just, they're cheerleaders. It's just popping them really, up in the air. And, and what book is it? Uh, just the Hardy Boys, Dad's Disappointment. And it's the boys telling their dad that they're no longer going to be detectives. They'd rather be cheerleaders. <laughs> but we're real good, dad. Watch our routine. Give me a P. You got your P. You got your P. Give me an E. You get your E. You get your E. Give me an N. And they go on to spell pen knife. I yeah. can do that all day. <laughs> Thank you for, for skipping to the end there. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. Although I would have liked it if you spelled knife wrong. Like I know how to spell knife, N-I-F-E. Come on. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> You're doing it, Peter. You're doing it. Give me my gold star, son. So through the dusty glass, the boys could see a rickety table uh, and several open cans of food, a carton of milk, and a bowl. How can you tell a table is rickety through a window? <laughs> rickety That's is a, a sound <laughs> to me. And unless yeah, someone is there is... moving, like unless it's clearly <laughs> bobbling from side to side, how can you say it's a rickety table? That's it, the rickety table you have to sit at. Usually a rickety table you could fix just with a matchbook underneath one leg. Yeah. That's rickety. Quick fix. Come on. Must be a tramp, Frank guessed. I'm sure yeah, Ken wouldn't live here. Uh, don't be so sure, boys. Yeah, I don't feel like Ken is that rich here. So in turning away... The young detectives noticed a small stone structure about 10 yards behind the house. Ooh. It was the size of a one-car garage. Instead okay. of windows, it had, high, it had slits high in the walls. Uh, it was probably used to store farm equipment, Frank said. We might as well check. And here as readers, once again, we know what it is. <laughs> yeah, we know what it is because this whole time, there's we a picture a... of the inside yeah. of it. <laughs> So they go inside, and wouldn't you know it, it's the shabby green panel truck, the same one we saw yesterday, Joe exclaimed. What's it doing here? The boys noticed immediately that the vehicle had no license plates. Uh Uh-oh. They probably were taken off. And disposed of. Yeah, or just taken off. Yeah, or maybe this guy just didn't want to renew the plates. Hobo Johnny might have him in his uh, in his water tower. <laughs> He's got maybe Ken Blake got hungry. Yeah, so say Ken got hungry. That's the the Belgian breakfast. You just eat uh, a license plate. A license plate. They're high in Ken iron. doesn't have money. 
Nice. Very nice. Not that nice. Um, I like that. Thank you. You're welcome. Frank checked the glove compartment while Joe looked on the seat and under the cushion for any clue to the driver or owner of the vehicle. Suddenly, he called out, hey, what's going on? The same thing that that Joe yelled when Ken Blake was (laughs) riding away. (laughs) I think, hey, what's what's going going on? on? I say, hey, yeah, I say, hey. Is that how that song goes? Yeah. Four Non Blondes. They just yeah. they just love that song. And so <laughs> Frank woke up in the morning and he stepped outside and he took a deep breath and he got <laughs> real high. Real high. And he screamed from the top of his lungs, What's going on? <laughs> oh, I love that. So Too much. They jumped from the truck and saw that the garage doors were swinging shut. And they rushed forward, but not in time. They heard the outside bolt being rammed into place. We're prisoners, Frank exclaimed. Nice. Uh, so they throw their bodies at the door. It doesn't budge. The no, they need the wall a jet. Too high and too narrow. So finally, he reached. Frank reached in the glove compartment and drew out an empty cigarette package he had noticed before. He pulled off the foil. Joe understood immediately what his brother had in mind. Smoking crack. Yeah. (laughs) Frank lifted the truck's hood and jammed the foil between the starting wires near the fuse box. Worth a try, he said. Ignition key's gone. If we can start the engine, we'll smash our way out. Okay, so this is the one thing, like, Franklin has been so descriptive about boats and everything like that. The distributor wires and... Yeah, when we finally get into something cool of them, like, hot wiring a car, he's just like, no, he's just going to stick some tinfoil under it, and I'm not going to tell you what exactly he is going on. jammed it in the, uh, in the starting wires. Yeah, what and does so, that mean? But then this How am I supposed to hot think, wire a car off of this? But how often were cars hot? Like, why even bother having keys if a piece of foil <laughs> yeah. jammed into some wires <laughs> will start any car? That's... Very true. You're not wrong there. Joe took his place at the wheel and Frank climbed in beside him. To their delight, Joe gunned the engine to life. Here goes, he muttered grimly. Brace yourself. Ready! Joe eased the truck back as far as he could and then accelerated swiftly forward. The truck's wheels spun on the dirt floor and then with a roar, it headed for the heavy doors. Now, I got to say this. That's the cliffhanger. If you, that's, that's the last yeah. one. If you say, here goes, brace yourself, don't immediately slowly back up. You slowly <laughs> back first. up. Yes, and then you say, here we go. <laughs> I mean, you just killed the rhythm. I feel like killed the rhyme. Like Joe would be jumping from a train car and he's like, all right, one, two, three, <laughs> and then take a few steps backward, really tie yeah. his shoe. <laughs> Quick snack. What are you doing, man? Yeah. <laughs> so classic Hardy Boys chapter. Oh yeah. That doesn't get much classier than or classic than this. Um 
I would say this uh, to, to end the chapter to, to, or to, to end the episode. Rather, there's nothing else I have to say on this chapter. Um, I, I have a, a very genuine, a very sincere um, thought here. And that is, if you've ever considered buying merchandise, now would be a good time. If, yes. if you can afford it, seeing as uh, as our income has largely stopped, if you like the podcast and you want to buy a t-shirt, we don't make much off of it, but we do appreciate it. Uh, and furthermore, I would say if there's any creators that you like, that, that you you know are, are freelancers or project-based, um, help these people out a little bit. And if you're going to spend your weeks in self-isolation educating yourself as you should, um, Surf the channels of the people you like. Subscribe. Watch the videos. Um, if they've got merch, uh, invest if you can, um, because there's going to be a lot of people, uh, and we can't help everybody. But uh, some of these people in this uh, project-based economy could use the love. That is, that is, put so perfectly. And guys, I just want everyone to know that these shirts are 19.99, and they're handmade, handmade in China. You know, you could feel the durability of them. You could. I would imagine a few of them are, they're worn in when you get it. You know, they've been coughed in, they've been rolled around. I want in. you to know though, it's, it's just... not cheap. Like this is fine Italian cloth. <laughs> <laughs> this, is... <laughs> this isn't just cheap. Too soon. Oh no. <laughs> All right. Oh, well, you know, I don't know about you, but. I feel like when Joe takes off his shirt, uh-huh. he's a really ripped teen. But I guess we'll find out more when we get to chapter 15. So good. No, it wasn't. <laughs> I liked it. Especially because yeah, Joe I guess. does like taking his shirt off. Like, it's very possible that, Joe's well, yeah, shirt is off it, in it, the next chapter. It fits, it fits the Hardys. He's been, no doubt he's about been disrobed it. once already in this No, book. that's a good... That's a good chapter title name. Has there, has there been a book where they haven't disrobed? They definitely did several no. times in the last one. Did they in the Tower of Treasure? Because they were going to go swimming once and it was too cold. Yeah, but they showered together. Oh, that's true. They got undressed before bed several times explicitly. Yep. <laughs> I imagine they're the kind of dudes that when they go to the urinal to pee, they're fully naked. I, I can't refute that. <laughs> yeah. They are the butters of uh, of uh, Bayport. Yeah. Um. Well, yeah. I hope. That, I mean, there's a chance that in the next, if they go up in the uh, Parker Building, uh, the elevators. I don't know if they need to be uh, repainted, but they could if they wanted to. They could paint the lift green <laughs> when we get to chapter fifteen. Bravo! I didn't. I didn't Bravo. need to step on your toes on that. I know. I know we already had one, but I would. I didn't know whose turn it was, so I also had that one queued up. Yeah, I didn't want to, uh, and I didn't want to save it till next book. Yeah, no, I. I, I was thinking about Chet. <laughs> you know, if he ever hung out with the Fast and the Furious crowd, and if he did, if they would consider his car the Drift Queen. Uh, somewhere along the lines of chapter 15. I'm ending the podcast now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>